We use the verse all the time to keep people from calling us out on our own sin. Judge not lest you be judged, right? Well, the fact is, that comes from Romans chapter 2. The judge of all creation will judge the judgmental, as we'll see next on Truth For Today. Join us. Judge not, lest you be judged. And indeed, we all will be judged by God, whether we are self-righteous, judgmental, or any other sin. The fact is, all of humanity will have to stand before the judge of this universe at one point. And here in Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 16, Paul lays that out for us, giving us yet another reason why we are in such desperate need of divine righteousness. Catch up with us here in Romans chapter 2, won't you, as we get things started. Here this morning on Truth For Today. Here now, once again, is Pastor Phil Howard. Because we're made to feel unless you're into some category of sin, you're just not cool. And it's in the public square. It's in, it's in vogue to be, to throw off God. It's in vogue for ACLU to say, we're putting a motion before the court to get rid of Christmas. We're sick of a religious holiday. We are not a, a nation of religious people. Get rid of it. And that seems cool, sophisticated, contemporary. He says God is going to judge all human beings based upon what they believe and on how that belief makes them act. And he gives two categories here. He gives the category of those who behave right and they have eternal life. They seek glory, that is God's glory. They seek to honor God. They seek the immortality that comes with going to heaven. And they seek, and all three of those are a description of what eternal life looks like. Immortality, glory for God, honor to God. Now here's the problem. Do you get eternal life by living this kind of life? Well, he's going to say in chapter 3, 19, by the deeds of the law, so no flesh be justified, because nobody has been able to live it. For by the law came the knowledge of sin, not the ability not to sin. By the law came the knowledge of sin, not the power to overcome it. Let me tell you this. If you can live this kind of life, you can earn eternal life. You just got to be perfect. Help yourself. Go. Go. See, the problem is you can't live this way. No one is ever. This is the fruit of knowing God. And this you see all over in the Bible. Psalms 1, the blessed man, the wicked man. Two kinds of life. You see it at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Let me tell you about two lives. One built on the sand. Heard these sayings of mine, but never did them. Let me tell you the man on the rock. He heard what I said, and he did them. Now you say, ah, he earned it. He earned it. The rest of those word of God says, you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the rest of Romans would just keep showing us over and over. Good works will result, but good works are not the basis of your salvation. So he's just saying, there's two kinds of lives in the sight of God. Those that are persevering in good. 
those who have eternal life, those who honor God, and those who are self-seeking, those who are self-centered, and they go their own way, and they're storing up wrath, that they are self-seeking, they, they reject the truth, they follow evil, there will be trouble, there will be wrath, there will be distress. It will come to them. But for those who know God, there will be glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. The secret is how do we do good in God's sight? The only good you could ever do in God's sight is the good he enables you to do. For no man of his own, you'll get to Romans 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who seeks after God. Let me say this, you contradict yourself, God never does. God is not saying there's two ways. So I understand this to be saying two kinds of lives come before God. One who has eternal life and they've sought God's glory, they've sought God's honor, and this is a life God can approve. And the other is self-seeking, stubborn, Christ-rejecting, and they are candidates for the wrath of God. Let me tell you, poor sinners, we all got a righteousness we couldn't earn, and we were given the gift we couldn't earn. And all the changes he's made in me since hasn't earned my salvation. It's proof I've been saved. Now, this is what's scary to me today. We've got a brand of Christianity that he doesn't change you. It's a brand that uh, uh, I was talking with a believer here recently living in outright sin, but I, I hope to make it to church. And in my mind, I think, why in the world would you even want to come? If you know to do good and you don't want to do it, I can't understand any church connection. We used to serve good coffee. Yeah, that'd warm you up. Why? For a sinner to hang out in church and not want to know God is like a, a thief hanging out at a police station. It doesn't make sense. But be good to them anyway. You're welcome, whether you know God or not. But there's two kinds of lives. The blessed life, the life in possession of eternal life, and the life that its primary belief system is self-seeking. It was used of campaigning for an office to buy votes, to buy votes. And you must sell yourself, promote yourself. And we are one of the most self-centered generations in the world. As our income goes up, our charitable giving has been going down. Churches all over. I talked to a pastor in, from Oakland yesterday. He said, our people never learned to give. All these years, church after church, he said, no one learned to give. Why is that? Maybe unregenerate. Maybe they've never learned the God of all generosity. He said, I will judge someday, and I am not deceived. I will evaluate two kinds of lives. One, the result of the grace of God that will have you see, you think, well, how he's going to judge us? I've got good news for you. If you're a Christian, he's already judged you. That's exactly what he did at the cross. He judged Christ.
to give me eternal life that results in a changed life. For those who have rejected Christ, judgment is future. But see, the believer, we've not escaped judgment. It just already has happened to us. We were judged at the cross. Did you know that? God did everything he wanted to do about your sin at the cross. At the cross. I used to think I was saved for a week. Or I was saved just until I did the next sin. Then I had to start over, maybe wait for a yearly revival to come around to get right. I did not know that I didn't have to get born again 15 times. I was born again, and God just said, I don't send you to hell, I just spank you. And when I get through spanking you, you want to act like a son. You don't get away with sin, but I don't have to hang you over hell. Come into the bedroom. That's what my dad did. Let's go in the bedroom. And it wasn't for a hug usually. Come here, we need to talk. I was who would have just talked. No, we're going to do more than talk. Come here. Dad, leave me alone. The other boys do it. You're not the other boys. You're my boy. Daddy, I don't want to be your boy right now. You're going to be my boy. And why am I going to be your boy? Because I'm going to spank the daylights out of you for doing that. I was pre-Spock. Well, you're going to be judged, he says, according to what you practice. Then he says something that is another difficult section. That's why Ted didn't cover this section. Um, All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Now that sounds so good, doesn't it? And who's he talking to here? He's talking to the Jew. God never gave the law to the Gentiles. We had no law. He's talking to them, and guess what their boast was? We've got the law. We've got the law. And he said, you absolutely do. And guess what? I'm going to judge you by it. And I'm not going to judge you that I gave it to you. I'm going to judge you by whether you did it. I'm going to judge you by obeying, not by possessing. Pastor Rollins and one of the deacons, we were praying before the service. Ephesus had the right doctrinal beliefs, but she still walked away from God with a cold heart. And I've seen different men. I have been amazed at how many people who are basking in their knowledge, who have a bankrupt testimony. They don't practice the love of God. They don't practice loving people. They just practice always being right and they're dead wrong. Because truth was not meant to inflate your ego. It was meant to pour out of your heart towards people and towards God. And here he says, those who've been given the law will be judged by the law. And no one has ever passed the law. And he's going to say, by the way, you'll be justified if you keep it. But he's going to break the news in chapter 3. By the way, no one's ever kept it. Only one. God the Son, Messiah. His active obedience was he obeyed the law. His passive obedience, he died under the law on the cross. So I get credit when I put faith in Christ for having kept the law because I'm in my substitute and having died to the law. Both are put to my credit just by faith. Just by faith. If you knew the impact of what I said, you'd at least sneeze and get a little happy. 
But that's all right. We'll get there. There'll be plenty of time to shout in this book. All who sin apart from the law will also perish from the law. The Gentile world, all who sin under the law will be judged by it. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature's things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Some take this to be Gentile Christians who are obedient even though they don't have the law. I'm not convinced. Maybe it's just those Gentiles that said, uh, we know murder is wrong and we don't want to murder. We never had the law of Moses, but we know murder is wrong. Stealing just innately. If you ever want to read about this, read C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, the first four chapters. He develops natural law in people. There's something naturally in a human being that if you're standing in a line and all of a sudden somebody comes and breaks into the line, you say, hey, hey, that's not fair. Wait, what makes it not fair? Why did you say it's not fair? Let's say you don't believe there's any law. There's no right or wrong. Hey, buddy, you get the, you get the back of the line. Why did you say that? Because there's an innate, and he argues for four chapters polemically and brilliantly, that... There's a natural law. We know it's just wrong for a man to kill another man to take his wife. You don't even need to have the law for that. Natural law, something working in the moral government of human beings. There are just some things right, some things wrong. Whether you have the revealed will of God or not, you just know. And God says, I'm going to judge the Jew by the law he's been given. I'm going to judge the Gentiles in a different way. Indeed, when Gentiles do not have the law, do by nature or instinctively things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Now watch this. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing now even defending them. So at the white throne judgment, we get the lost heathen that come before God and say, God says, I can't read to you the Ten Commandments. You never had them. I can't use the 613 commands I gave Israel. Well, what are you going to judge me by? I'm going to judge you by all those laws you know you already broke within yourself. Your conscience bears witness that you're guilty. Did you steal this? Yeah. Did you know it was wrong? Yeah. Who said it was wrong? My conscience went off. My conscience, my heart, they're accusing me. I've always known I was wrong. I did this wrong. We're evil. We, we, we brought rice and food to the demons of the woods because we killed a man here and we want to appease the gods. Who told you there are any gods to appease? My soul, my conscience, there must be another being out there. I must get forgiveness. I must placate the gods. I must do something. When in Haiti at night, you'd hear the voodoo drums going. And if you drove by the cemeteries in the daytime, we would see people putting all their offerings on grave sites and before little uh, wooden gods and little stone gods. And I thought, who taught them to do that? 
Who told them they had to placate some god of stone, some god carved out of wood, and they had to go to their ancestors and pray the demons away? Oh, it's a terrible thing not to know God. You'll invent something worse. And so, he says, I will bring the Gentile world that have not known me, throw me off, didn't want the law, didn't want the word of God. Oh, Israel, I gave the law to you. I gave my word. You were oracle preservers. And I will judge you by that law that was beautiful, magnificent, that you broke over and over and over again. Even while Moses is getting it, they're worshiping a golden calf. Don't tell me they didn't break it. And you Gentiles, you Gentiles, no law but conscience, but heart. The secrets of your heart will, you killed the man, you buried him, nobody in the village knows, but I know. I know that you seduced that man's wife. I know what you did to that young girl. I know the incest. I know all the connivings. I know the evils of your heart. And they will all be exposed on this day. Every secret you think you've got will be revealed before me. And the final standard of judgment is, hear me, hear me. The judge, the judge on this day will not be the Father. It will be God the Son. Christ is the judge at the white throne judgment, not the Father. The Father has committed all judgment to the Son. And the Son will stand there with nail-pierced hands looking through you. And he will say, verse 16, as it were, this will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares, hear me, hear me well, the meek and lowly Jesus is going to hold court. You see, he knows what it is to be tried with false witnesses. He knows what it is to be lied to and lied about. He knows what it is not to get a fair trial. So Jesus guarantees you a free, fair, honest tribunal. And he will bring you and he will first of all say, we're here to evaluate you in five areas. One, what did you practice? Two, how did you respond to the grace of God? Three, what kind of life did you live? Did you ever come to Christ for a new life? Or did you insist on your own will and refuse a new kind of life? Fourthly, I'm gonna judge you according to the knowledge you have some will get greater punishment because they knew more. Others will get less because they knew less. But nevertheless, I will judge you by the law. I will judge you by conscience. I'll judge you by the secrets of your heart. Finally, I'm going to judge you by what did you do with me? The good news that I sent Paul and the early church bleeding all over Asia Minor to tell you was... There's an escape from the wrath of God. And I was your escape. I've been standing all day long with hands outstretched saying, come to me. Come, flee the wrath to come. Flee. If you don't think it's his wrath, according to Revelation 6, when men cry for rocks and mountains to hide them, you know what they cry? Hide me, hide me from the wrath of the Lamb. 
Not the Father, the Lamb. Christ is going to pour out the judgment of the tribulation. For he's the one that bore the judgment. And he said, you would not have my payment. You would not have me. So I'm here to, I want to hear why. Would you speak up? And you know something about the court? I noticed two things. One, there's no lawyers allowed. Many of them will be before the judge. They've been crooks. They've stolen people's money in the name of law. There'll be no advocates. No. And two, this is the thing that amazes me. The court is absolutely quiet on the part of the accused. They don't say, that's not fair. Who do you think you are? Hey, buddy, don't tell. -uh. No, 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 no. This courtroom is quiet. You don't even need a sheriff. Absolutely. And Christ says, open the books. And the books will be open. One book here. Another set over here. Number one, just a formal exercise. We find no record that you ever received me. Is that true? That's true. So we don't have you in my birth certificate book. Right. So you're not in that, okay. Well, here we've kept a record of every sin that you've ever committed mentally, morally, physically, every sin. And we've got here on you, your rap sheet is about, let's see, five pages. And you died at 29. We've got bigger rap sheets from folks that live longer because they, they resisted my love longer. And it's a greater offense. Every day you live and you don't accept Christ, you're treasuring up wrath. You're storing it up. You're storing it up. You're storing it up. And for every bit of kindness he's shown you, you will someday in the day of wrath know where the fountain was filled. It was filled with a stubborn heart. And he will say, these are the works you committed, and I've assigned this kind of degree of punishment Depart from me, you who may have had religion. You may have been Jewish. You may have been Gentile. You might have went to first church, but you never did come to me. You just were in it for yourself. And so he continues in chapter 2 next week to evaluate Jewish religious profession and why he found it bankrupt. And he will finally give his final plea in chapter 3. Hear me, hear me. You're guilty. And the gospel addresses guilty people. The goal of the gospel is not to make you happy. It will, but that is not its goal. Its goal is to deliver you from the wrath of God. That's what it's about. It's no plaything. I wish, I wish... I had, had, did not have the assignment. I, I, you know what I wish? That I wasn't at the white throne judgment, but you and I will be there, setting with Christ as he judges men and angels.
And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series taken from Romans chapters 1 and 2 called Man's Need of Divine Righteousness. As we conclude our time together today, as always, we'd leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to contact us. Maybe you have a question about the broadcast, Romans. Romans always brings out questions, doesn't it? Paul had a great way of doing that. Well, questions, comments, prayer requests, they're all welcome here at Truth For Today. Simply call or write to us, drop us an email. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. Again, we're at 855-833-9864. You can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. Our zip code is 94547. Now, you can also drop us an email when you stop by our church website, valleybible.org. A lot of resource materials available for you there, including access to some other previous series and messages delivered here at the pulpit of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. And again, you can find out information about Valley Bible, who we are and what we believe, church services and directions. It's all at valleybible.org. And again, drop us an email when you stop by. If you would like to be a TFT sustainer, which would also include a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and take a break, which is the weekly video devotional from Pastor Phil. Find out more by calling us at 855-833-9864. No matter the size of your gift, each and every gift makes a big difference as we continue the ministry of Truth For Today daily here on KFAX. It's a delight to be back on Monday through Friday and Sundays as well here on Truth For Today, and we don't take that for granted. We see God's hand in all of this, and if you do too, please contact us and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And then come back and join us next time as we begin the day once again with Truth For Today and Pastor Phil Howard. Truth For Today.